Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. It's been incredible to see all of the different posts about Sister Aretha. Everybody posting videos and just how their lives were impacted by the beautiful gift of her voice that she shared with all people around this world, with all of humanity, the number of people who've been blessed and to read all of the commentary and to to hear how how blessed she was and then to know where her foundation was, the right reverend. C.L. Franklin, her father, a phenomenal preacher in his time, just a phenomenal man. If you ever have a chance, you can listen to some of his old sermons on YouTube. And, you know, I mean, just a phenomenal man of God. And so she had a strong foundation. But I read all of the different comments and I see all of the different stories and everybody's recounting their memories with this sister. And and, and, and the most interesting ones are when they find out she's in hospice, everybody is getting to her bedside. Everybody wants to be by her bedside. She's in hospice. And, and so they're about getting by her bedside. And then there are those who finally get to her and they say, you know what? I grew up with Aretha and I hadn't seen her in a long time, but I knew she was sick. And then they begin to tell stories about their childhood growing up with Aretha. But the part that stuck out to me was a part where they said, I grew up with Aretha, but I hadn't seen her in a long time. That's the tragedy of life, my brothers and sisters. Too many of us operate as if we got all the time in the world. Oh, I'm going to stop by and see. I'm going I'm to come by and hang out with you. Hey, we should get together next week. We say that as if we promised next week. None of us know the day, the hour, the moment when God will punch our ticket or extend the invitation for us to go to glory. But we operate on this side of heaven as if we do. As if we know that, as if we know for sure, listen, I will see you next week. I'll get there as soon as I can. I'll share my story really quick, and then I'll get into what thus says the Lord. One of the most important people in my life transitioned several years ago, about 12 years ago, as my grandmother, Olivia. I was practically raised by this woman, an incredible woman. The year before she passed, I saw her because I had to go back home to New York because my great aunt, her sister, passed away. And so I was able to go up there, and one of my favorite things to do with my grandmother was to sit with her. I didn't want to do anything but just sit with her and hold her hand and her tell me about the good old days. For just a moment, I envisioned myself, I found myself exactly in those places she was as she shared these amazing stories about the good old days, the places she used to go, the people she used to see, the music she would listen to. I was in that place with her for those moments when she talked about the good old days. Of course, the second thing I absolutely loved was her cooking. I'm not going to lie. To this day, nobody cooked like my grandmama. 
Although there is somebody in this church that made some banana pudding, and I was like, Grandma, Grandma, it was that good. <laughs> it was close. There was something that was missing. That's how it gave me the proof that it wasn't my grandmother. But anyway, fast forward. My grandmother was gravely ill. And I kept telling my grandmother, like I had all the time in the world, Grandma, I'll be there. I'm making plans now. I'm about to buy my plankton. I'll, I'll be there. Just, just hold on a little while longer. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. And I did get there. But when I got there, I was there for her funeral. I did not get to spend the moments that I wanted to. And I remember sitting at her bedside while she was there. I mean, at, 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 you know, in the house, not the hospital, sorry about that, in the funeral home, sitting there by her casket, saying to myself, man, I, I just should have went. If I had to catch the Greyhound, if I had to ride my bicycle, whatever it took, I should have went just to hold her hand one more time. And this is not one of those messages where I want you to be sad, my brothers and sisters, but I want you to be urgent. <laughs> I want you to be intentional. Because I know that some of us sitting in this sanctuary under the sound of my voice right now, some of us who are even joining us live online, welcome, by the way, are feeling that. Same thing. There's somebody you know you need to see, somebody you know you need to rest with, somebody you know you need to fix things with. Don't wait till tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. None of us are. We're not promised the next hour. And we have to operate with urgency. And so when I think of Sister Aretha and how she's affected me, you know what's so amazing? I heard Aretha's gospel music before I heard her secular stuff because of my grandmother, Olivia, on her record player. Yeah, record where you had to put it and you can hear the needle on the, oh, okay, so y'all, 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 y'all act like y'all ain't never had no record player. And I would hear Aretha's gospel stuff before I heard her secular stuff. Then it was R-E-S-B-E-C-T, find out what it means to me and all that other stuff. But it was her gospel stuff I heard first. And it was amazing. And so anyway, that's what today is about. My message today is entitled, Schedules, Deadlines, Free Time, God's Time. Schedules, Deadlines, Free Time, and God's Time. This whole series, really, it's, it's, it's practical, but it's really life-saving. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about time in this season because too many of us ask for more of it when we have more of it than we need we're just not managing it well and here's what i will tell you in our attempts to get the most out of our lives we end up losing control of our lives in our attempts my brothers and sisters to get the most out of our lives we lose control of our lives i i, I often see people do this I, i'll be on the internet and i'll see people like at one o'clock in the morning Burning the midnight oil. Got to get it done. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. And I'm saying, you're going to get it, but you won't enjoy it because you'll be dead. You're going to burn out. None of us are, 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 can live more, can, can operate under more than 24 hours. And I see people working, working, working themselves to the bone. Why? Why, why do we work so hard? None of us is working so hard to please our bosses. I'm working hard because I want the boss to be happy. Well, if that's true, you want your boss to be happy so that you can get a what? Promotion. And promotion means what? More work and more money, money, money. That's what we want. We think that that's going to make things better. More money. We're burning the midnight oil because we, it's all about trying to have a better lifestyle. And there is no better lifestyle than the one God gives you. One of the craziest sayings out there that I like but I don't like, and let me explain to you why. This hashtag, hashtag YOLO. 
Y'all like, what is that? What is YOLO? I'll help you out. Hashtag you only live once. I don't like that. As a matter of fact, I think it's hurt us, right? Because if you go, go on social media right now and type in hashtag YOLO, none of it shows people doing something for somebody else. Nobody said, yo, look at me in Haiti serving the people over here. Look at me doing my thing. Hashtag YOLO. Yo, look at me. Look at me serving the homeless people out here. Check it out. Hashtag YOLO. No, we do hashtag YOLO when we off in France somewhere benefiting ourselves. Hashtag YOLO. Look at me on the beach. You should be here. We never hashtag YOLO when we're doing something for somebody else other than ourselves. That's why I hate the saying. I say if you only live once, how are you spending your time with the time God has given you? If you only live once, hashtag YOLO. Check me out. I'm helping somebody in need. Hashtag YOLO. Check me out. I'm fixing a stranger's flat. Hashtag YOLO. Look at me helping this elderly person out whose grass has overgrown in their lawn. Hashtag YOLO. Why don't we flip it? Nobody's hashtagging YOLO about doing stuff that matters to God. Here's one. Y'all ready for this? This is a good one. I would love to check out today, matter of fact, when I leave church. And I know some people will do it, but if I leave church and I go home and I go on social media and I type in hashtag YOLO, I love to see people with their hands up at church. Hashtag YOLO, you only live once. And because I only live once, I'm going to give my best part of my life to God. (laughs) A few amens in the house. Okay. Hear me. That's what makes a difference. Since I only live once, let me live my best life. I see people hanging out at the beaches, hanging out San Tropez, hanging out uh, in Dubai, talking about living my best life. Really? Is that your best life? And I'm not saying, please hear me, please hear my heart. I'm not saying not to enjoy your life. But let's post about what matters to God. Let's do what matters to God. Because I'm not going to lie, if I had more money, heck, I would be a San Tropez and all of that stuff. I would be in Brazil, but I'm always, if I'm going to go wherever I go, I'm going to look for opportunities to minister. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a Christian. It has nothing to do with my title. It has everything to do with my relationship with God. This is how we fix it. We've got to be the change. We've got to be the managers and facilitators of our schedule. Do you realize a study came out about 10 years ago? Check this out. And the study said that Americans are getting two and a half hours less sleep per night than we did a century ago. That was about 10 years ago. So I said, let me let me let me see if there's something more current. Americans are getting four hours less more sleep than we did a century ago. Four hours less. In other words, ain't no, eight hours a night sleep, that ain't happening no more. <laughs> because we're burning the midnight oil. Do y'all remember, some of you all can, you don't have to tell me your age. Do y'all remember back in the day when part-time hours meant you worked 25 hours or less? That was about 10 years ago. You know what part-time is now? Anything less than 40. Anything less than 40 is part-time. So if you do 38, that's not full-time. <laughs> what? Since when? That's full-time. If you count my breaks, that's full-time. No, that's part-time. We're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing. You know what full-time is? Say <laughs> said 80. I'm, my job is 80. Full-time, categorized full-time, about 45 hours. That's the norm. I saw that the other day. I said, when did this change? 
When, when did we go to 45? And guess what? They want to push you to be salary because they don't want to pay you the overtime. Ooh, I got some amens. Somebody know what I'm talking about this morning. It's changed. It's flipped. We, 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 we've changed the script. And so we got jobs pushing us, using our time. We use up so much time building our, our, our capital. We use up so much time doing all this. We don't have time to do what's important. Sleep deprivation, my brothers, I will tell you, my brothers and sisters, sleep deprivation leads to obesity, attention deficit symptoms, and depression. Do you realize that the, 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 the medical industry is booming now? And you know what one of the biggest sellers of medicine is right now? Antidepressants. Multi-billion dollar industry. Multi-antidepressants. And can I tell you, the biggest seller and buyer of these antidepressants America, America, we are. Why? Because we're working our people to the bone and people are depressed. They're sleep deprived. They're trying to catch up. We're using our time not to do something good for somebody else, but to do something good for ourselves. And before we know it, we make all the money we've ever made before. And guess what? We die before we get to enjoy it. Sleep deprivation. We just lost the queen of soul. Several years ago, we lost the king of pop. I don't know how many of you know how he passed away. But he literally, I'm just going to break it down plain and simple. And, you know, I am not a doctor, but I just make it so you can understand it. The king of pop died because he was trying to get rest. The king of pop died simply because he was trying to sleep. You mean to tell me all the money Mike had, he couldn't sleep? I mean, he had his own version of Disney World at his own house you mean you mean the king of pop couldn't get sleep he had bubbles he had giraffe bubbles not the ones you blow bubbles the chimpanzee right he had lions and tigers and bears oh my but he couldn't get sleep you mean to tell me pastor b the king of pop died simply because he was sleep deprived the answer is yes he overdosed on something that would help him sleep and we're trying to get what he had Follow me. Don't miss this. We want more, thinking that will give us more, but it actually takes away more. You don't get more by more that you make. Guess what? The minute you make a whole bunch of money, guess what? You're going to work that hard to try to keep it, especially if you've been broke before. You've been broke before. You're like, I ain't trying to go back to there. I'm not trying to go back to eating ramen noodles every single day. I like ramen noodles, by the way. Once you come out of that, you're like, I'm not trying to go back there. You do everything you can to not go back there. But what you don't realize is that you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're killing yourself slowly, daily, by giving all of that time and attention so you can have more money, so you don't have to go back to that place. And I want to tell you what has happened with you and I. And I say you and I because I'm guilty of it too. Too many of us have this sickness. It's an illness. It's called I don't know how to say no. I don't know how to say no. And here's what I mean by that. I know people that I talk to in this church. Like, yo, what you doing today? Man, I got three cookouts and a barbecue. So you got four events. Yeah, all in the same day. I'm like, cool. So which one are you going to? All of them. I'm just going to show my face. I'm going to show my face. And I say to them, why are you going to all four to show your face? What are you accomplishing with that? Well, I want to keep the relationship. There's no relationship. 
If you're going to show your face, you haven't allotted time to build relationship. You're going, showing your face, you're going, you're going to the next one, show your face, you're going, go to the next one, show your face. You haven't made any relationships. All you've done is made yourself tired and you wasted time. You've wasted time. And, it's, and, and, and you act like you have all the time in the world and you're burning out trying to be popular. And they're going to come to your funeral because you was popular. They're going to send flowers from your job because you was popular. They're going to eat the food that they made at your repast because you was popular. But they're not going to check on your family when you're gone. They're not going to follow up with your family when, you, when you're gone. They're not going to go by your gravesite and put some flowers. You're gone! You've wasted your time trying to be popular. You're gone, and that's it. What will they say about you at your funeral? If they come. I'm being real. I'm being real. Listen, the reason why we have a problem, listen to this. Too many of us say no to many good things when we should be saying yes to the best things. We say no to, we say no, we, we, we need to say no to too many good things. Let me give you an example. A good thing is me working on my sermon to come here to be prepared to preach a message to you. That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's my calling. That's my vocation. That's what God has called me to do. The best thing would be pausing for a moment and spending time with my kids. Let me show you how this played out in real life just a few weeks ago. Beautiful day in Atlanta. Gorgeous day. I love what I do. I'm blessed to have this mic in my hand and share the word with you. The best part about what I do is not this. It's the research. I learn so much in preparing my messages. It's ridiculous. And that's the best part. The toughest part is trying to figure out, well, what will they be able to process? What can they make applicable? That's the tough part. But the easy part is the research. I love it. I grow. You know, I'm like, man, they don't want it. I'm going to keep it for myself. This is good stuff. So I get deep into my research. I'm deep into it. And, my, and, and so let me tell you how my kids work in the Santiago household. If you want a yes to anything, you send the youngest one. I'm just saying. She's, she, I don't know. She has my heart in a special way. And, and Will knows because his daughter has me the same way. His daughter has the same way on me. And him too. So I'm sitting on the recliner. I'm working. I'm doing my thing. And I hear them plotting I hear them whisper, no, you ask him, no. Yo, if Sydney asks, he going to say yeah. I hear this. And I said, okay. So I'm sitting there working, pretend I don't hear. All of a sudden, I hear her come down the stairs. And she comes, daddy, are you, are you really busy? I say, yeah, baby. I'm daddy, you know, daddy's working on his message. I'm working on the sermon. I got to get this done, da, 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 da. She's like, oh, can, can we go to the pool? And I said, uh... Daddy's got to get this done, baby. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't do it. Then these two words, two letters, however you want to put it, one word, I don't know. It changes daily. Came out of her mouth. And the way she said it just crushed me. She said, can you go to the pool with me? I said, no, daddy's got to finish this. And she said, okay. And I was like, no, don't say it that way. Just say, okay. Don't, don't do the... Okay. Like, it's the, it's the breath. It's not the word. It's the breath that follows it. Like, Okay. I was like, these people going to have to wait. God, you're going to have to preach this message because I'm going swimming with my baby. <laughs> so I didn't work. And I went swimming. And we had the time of our lives. And y'all didn't even know y'all were blessed with a message. God still preached. But I paused from the good thing, which is what I'm supposed to do, my job, 
to do the best thing, which was create memories with my child. Do you know what else could have happened? As my kids get older, every time that I say I'm doing church stuff and not give them the time that they want, they'll remember that and won't want to go to church. They'll remember that daddy always put the church before me. But when they remember I paused and did the best thing and we went swimming and I'm throwing kids over my shoulder and we're making up games of hula hoops and balls, that's what they'll remember. And many of us do the same thing. We put stuff before, we put good things before we put the best thing. We put stuff that's not nearly as important as creating. And this is how you can know. You want to figure out what's the good thing versus the best thing? Create a chart. Good thing, best thing, right? And this is what you do. Write down all the things that you consider good things. Write down all the things you consider best things. And I'm going to tell you where you can make the difference at. If all of your good things just bless you, you missed it. The best things are things that outlive you. <laughs> Legacy. The best things are things that outlive your time here on earth. The best things are the memories you create. The best things are the lives you change. The best things are those things that are difference makers, not momentary things. These are things that outlive you. Those are the best things. And me pausing from my work to hang out with my kids, they'll remember that. And guess what? When they get bogged down by work, what do you think they're going to do? You know what? Daddy stopped working to hang out with us. I'm going to do the same thing for my kid. And guess what their kid is going to do? You know, mama, daddy stopped working, and it keeps going. It outlives you. God has called me to pastor two churches. One has a priority over the other one. The first church God has called me to pastor is called my home. And if I don't pastor that well, there's no way in the world I will have the capacity to pastor you well. God has called you. To pastor your home well, not your job. He wants you to do good there because you got to earn an income. You got to keep that. God blessed you with that. But do not neglect those other matters that are far more important. The relationships you ask God for that you're neglecting now. The family that you pray over all the time that God is giving you. God wants us to be intentional about those things. We got to understand the difference between good things and best things. When we have control of our, of our own time, when we control our time, what we tend to allow is to happen is the urgent things, they push aside the important things. Work is urgent. Family is important. Your social group that you hang out with, that's important. That's urgent. But the church is important. Hanging out with your friends, that's, that's urgent, especially if you haven't seen them in a while. But serving somebody else, that's important. That's what God looks at. That's what God counts. So let me help you with this today. Let me help you with this. Let's talk about what matters. Let's talk about what matters. First thing, if you're taking notes, what matters most? Here's what matters most. First thing, if you're taking notes, intimate time with God. Intimate time with God should matter most. It, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's important. Intimate time with God. Matthew 6, says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Some translations say seek the kingdom of God first. Catch that. Some translations will say seek the kingdom of God first. 
Seek the kingdom of God first or above all else and live righteously and everything else kind of falls into place is what the scripture is saying. And here's what happens. We seek our own skill set. We seek our own alliances. We seek what we think we know is better first and then dig ourselves in a hole and then we seek the kingdom. And I will tell you, if you follow the order, seek the kingdom of God first, you don't even have to carry a shovel. You don't even have to carry a shovel and worry about digging yourself out because you sought the kingdom of God first. That first hour when you get up in the morning should belong to God. Jesus left us a model in how we should be intimate with God. You got to understand the Bible tells us that Jesus got up before the sun came out to be intimate with God. In other words, the sun got up before the sun came out. Y'all got to catch that this morning. He gave us a model in terms of our intentionality and being intimate with him. The first hour should belong to him. The first day of the week, Sunday, should belong to him. Nothing else you get. I know we all, I love brunch too, but brunch should be a backseat to quality time with God. Ooh, we got quiet. Somebody love brunch in here. <laughs> Listen to me. Seek the kingdom of God first. There's an order. Too many of us look at God as, our, uh, as, as, as a last resort when he should be our only option. Seek the kingdom of God first. Intimate time with God is what matters. How much time are you giving God? How much time are you giving God? And I know some of y'all are like, man, I pray every day by yourself. I pray every day by yourself. I watch church online by yourself. I look at this pastor only by yourself. If God meant for us to do life alone, he would have stopped with Adam. There wouldn't be no need for Eve. But he said, it's not. God said everything was good. Everything that he had created up until that point was good. And then he looked at Adam. He said, you know what? Hold on, hold on, hold on. It is not good. That's the only time that God pauses and says it's not good. When he saw that the man was alone, he intended for us to be in relationship. Yeah, it's easy, man. Thank God for technology. Sure, I can watch church online. Sure, I can pray all by myself. But that's not the way God planned it. Even his son, who could do all things by himself, decided I'm going to hang out with about 12 people. And I'm going to hang out with 12 flawed people to help me do the work that I'm called to do. Even Jesus didn't do stuff by himself. So even when he went away to pray by himself, he would grab two others and say, come, let us go and pray together. You have to be intimate with God, but God wants it to be with others as well. The first day, your first hour, all belongs to God. The second thing that matters most is intimate time with family. Confession. I'm a work in progress in this area. And I'm not talking about my personal home. I'm talking about my extended family. Extended family, right? So let's talk about this. What does the Bible say? First Timothy 5.8 says this. I'm about to step on some toes here. Just say ouch and we'll keep it moving. But it says this. But those who won't care for their relatives, and I know some of us don't want to care for some relatives. I'm with you on that. Especially those in their own household have denied the true faith. This is where it gets really crazy. Y'all say, ouch, right here. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Ouch. It's okay. Ouch. And I'm not saying I neglect my family. I love my family. But that beautiful story I shared with you all earlier, man, that's one in a few. 
Because God has made me the head of the household. I'm out here hustling. I'm grinding. I'm taking every job I can get so I can provide for my family because I want to be a provider. And in my efforts to provide money, I neglect something even more important. My family. I want to provide for my family. I want us to to eat good. I I don't want us to just have to eat peanut butter and jelly or whatever. So I provide for my family, fill my day up with hours and meeting this people, meeting that people because it's going to lead to some money down the line. And what happens is I neglect what's important. And I'm not the only one. I just put myself out there to help you. How many of us are neglecting our families? And we're doing good things. I mean, you have to be a provider. I mean, it just don't happen for free. But we put so much into it that we have nothing left to give what's so important and what matters most, our family. When I read this scripture, I was working on this series. I said, man, that's deep. I'm an unbeliever. I'm worse. I'm worse, according to Timothy, than an unbeliever. I read this. I said, Dag, Timothy, you could have been a little bit more subtle with this one. You just going to go straight for the jugular, Timothy. Come on. Be easy on it. But we have to have intimate time with family. And intimate time with family is not just, just activities. It's literally, yo, how, what, what are you going through? Especially if you have a teenager. Especially if you're married. <laughs> hey, baby, who, who are you today? I don't, I don't, I don't what's, going, what's really going on? Tell me. Listen, I'm here all ears. Let's shut the bedroom door. Let's talk about this. Kids, your children. Your children are going against some stuff you can't even believe. You can't even imagine. I was talking with somebody yesterday. We can't even expect to raise our kids the way we were raised. Mm-mm. No, no, no. We've got the, it's different. Parenting is completely different now. Our kids are going against stuff that we never, ever, 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 ever had to go through. This is a brand new generation of stuff these kids are going through. And the demonic is serious right now in this generation. But if you're not having intimate time and intimate conversations with your children, you will miss it. You will miss some of the stuff that they're having to deal with every day. Here's the third thing. What matters most is intentional time for fellowship. Intentional time for fellowship. Intentional time for fellowship. I love Acts chapter 242 says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and the prayer. Catch this. They were devoted to hanging out. That's what it's saying. They were devoted, meaning a higher level of commitment, meaning no matter what happens, this is going to happen. In other words, this is not just something we put on the calendar. This is our lifestyle. And I will tell you, Mosaic, y'all do this pretty well. I'll share a story with you. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine who drove by. It was probably around 1.45, 2 o'clock. He drove by the church, and he saw all these people out there. He said, man, what time is your service over? I said, we're normally done by like 12.30 or so. He was like, really? Y'all must have had an event because there were a lot of cars still out there. I said, well, you know, we just hang out. Service was over. We just like each other. We just do. Y'all do that well. I'll be like, yo, y'all, y'all, y'all can stay. I'll give y'all the keys. I'm going home. Y'all still kicking it? But I love that. We want to hang. We want to talk. We want to be in each other's business. We want to catch up. That's what I love. Some churches don't do that. I have a pastor friend of mine who told me, he said, man, when, we, when I say amen and do the benediction, they dart for the door. We're out. The alarm is set 20 minutes after I'm done. I say, wow. We, we in here for about a couple hours later. 
and people just like it. And it's not a competition thing. What I'm telling you is that many of you don't forsake the fellowship, but we still have a long way to go. We still have a long way to go. We have to be in relationship. Iron sharpens iron, but iron can't sharpen iron unless the other iron doesn't know that it's dull. Only way iron can sharpen iron is if one is already dull. And sometimes we walk through life not realizing how dull we are, how disconnected we are. And it takes somebody else to say, you know what, sis, I ain't seen you in a while. Girl, let's go get our nails done. Hey, bro, I ain't seen you in a while. Let's go grab some wings and things and let's just kick it. Sometimes we have to do that. That's forsaking not the fellowship of others, which Hebrew chapter 10, 25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Why? Why does he say this? I'm going to tell you why he says this. Follow this. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But why are they meeting together? But encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. That's the part we got to get. We're fellowshipping, not just to hang, but to encourage each other. We're fellowshipping, not just to hang, but to inspire and encourage each other. That's what this is about. And why? Because the day we're in the end times. How do you know? We only have two seasons now, hot and cold. I don't care where you live at. I'm dead serious. My dad lives in New York City. That's north. Okay, if you don't know that, that's north. They're hotter than Atlanta. Atlanta has ice storms. We're the south. Are y'all walking with me? Read the book of Revelation and see if it doesn't look like today. And because it looks so much like today, listen, who want to hang today? Besides, see, I see Sam and Tina like every day. I want some extra friends now. You follow what I said, Miss Causey. Yeah, you got a movie room at your house. I would definitely come over. I know y'all got some new movies over there. Listen to me. I'm serious. Because we're in this time that we're in right now, I mean, seriously, I need to be with some other believers to make sure we are on one accord. Because when Jesus returns for his bride, I want to make sure he comes back for a pure bride. And the only way that happens is that more of us are in relationship together, encouraging each other, praying with each other, sharing meals together, including the Lord's meal. It's the only way that happens. I want to I want us to be intentional about that because we are indeed, whether you believe it or not, in the end times. Read the book of Revelation and then come back and tell me, yo, pastor, you were right. We need to be hanging. We really do. Here's my fourth and final point. We must focus on things that matter. What matters most? Number four, intentional time for rest. What did I say? We're sleeping four hours less than we did a century ago. What does that mean? The average person is sleeping six hours on average. And doctors will tell you, no, 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 you need to, you need to, uh, you need to get full eight. But then they change it, say, no, now you can operate on six. And some say you can operate on five. It's like, man, whatever. Y'all just making up studies to make yourselves feel better. But the truth of the matter is, for a long time, it's been eight. As long as we can remember. And all of a sudden, it changes. We're not getting enough sleep. We're not getting enough rest. And watch what rest is. Rest is not just sleeping. Rest is saying pause from all of this other stuff in life and step away from it for a moment so that I can recalibrate. 
Rest is not just sleeping. It's just saying pause from all of this stuff that's draining me and go to things that will fill me. Paul is saying, let me step away from stuff that's taking away my energy and focus on stuff that's giving me energy. That's what rest is, is refueling yourselves. How many of you got up this morning, just got into your car and didn't even look at the gas uh, gauge? You did? You didn't? Okay. You're going to learn. You're going to learn today. Now, I hope not. I hope not, because if that happens, that would be sad. <laughs> She's like, Pastor said I'm going to learn and I'll run out of gas. You live close by. We can take care of you. Listen, most of us don't. Most of us don't get in our car and just drive all day for days on end without ever looking at our gas tank. Even if you have an electric car, you're going to look at the meter to see if you got enough juice left to keep on going. We do that. We look at that. We check that. And then guess what? If the tank is low, what do you do? You fill it up. But if we're not resting, how are we filling up? When you're filling up your car, you're, that's a form of resting. You're giving your, your engine a chance to break. You fill it up. Now, the ener- now, now, your tank has, now your engine has some energy to keep going again for some more miles. And the same thing with us. When we're resting, that's our time to refuel. Watch this. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Y'all get what he's saying there? Don't miss that. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. What he's saying is, whatever's got you stressed out, give it to me. So now you can rest. I'm translating that. That's the Pastor B uh, uh, version of the Bible today. Amen. Come to me With all the stuff that's draining your energy, all the stuff that's pulling you away from me so that I can give you rest and you can rest in knowing that I got this. Come to me, all of you who are carrying stuff that you've been carrying for too long, that's too heavy for you in the first place, and let me give you rest. Come to me, those who are stressed out, or beyond the, the, what they can handle, and I will give you rest. Come to me, those whose capacity is overflowing with mess, and I will give you rest. Bring it to me, and I got the rest. Bring me your mess, and I will give you rest. I know you've been trying for so long to figure it out on your own, but how far has that gotten you? Come to me, and I will bring you rest. The Bible says that God's yoke is easy, and the burden is light. Let me, un- let me, let me unpack that so I can help you today. You might amen on this. What God is saying is, he says in this scripture, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. But then there's another scripture that says... My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Watch this. What he's saying is to hang out with me, to be connected with me, only requires acceptance. It's easy. Not religious stuff, not legalism, not traditional stuff. No, all that requires to be connected to me, the the provider of all of your needs, Jehovah Jireh, all that's required is acceptance into relationship with me. Now, everything that you carry won't be as heavy as it has been bringing you down. It is now light. Why? Because you're relating, you're relating with me, which is easy, and the burdens you carry now, I'll carry for you. Where you are weak, I am strong. When you need wisdom, I'll give it to you. 
anything you ask in faith in my son's name, you shall receive. But you have to be in relationship with me. If you and I are not yoked together, and if you know what a yoke is, that's what have two ox together. Vision is. You're one ox with a yoke, and the other yoke is God. And the thing about it is, there's been a study where they had two animals. I think it was two mules, two horses. One of the two, I don't remember. And they were both pulling this thing. And one, they've said, I can't remember, I'm about to mess this up. Don't worry. Find it on your own. Follow me. That's Kevin Hart speak. <laughs> so they said one horse could pull a certain amount of weight on his own. And that's one horse by himself could pull whatever that weight amount is. They said when you add a second horse, the people who were doing this research said, well, you would think that with two horses, they can pull double the weight. But what they discovered was that was a fallacy. With two horses, for somehow, some reason, they pull four times the weight. So you're like, wait a minute, that's crazy. So one horse can pull this amount of weight. You add another, you would think that'd be double the weight. But what they found out by adding the other horse, it took on more weight, where they could carry four times what the original could carry. Well, what are you saying, Pastor B? It's just like in that, that yoke. By yourself, you could carry but so much. But in the other yoke was Jesus. You thought that adding Jesus would be doubling, but God says, I give you way more than you can handle. I know what you can bear. If you guide me to the yoke, which is easy, there's nothing you can't make it through. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting this morning. We've been yoked up, and what's happening is some of us, we yoke with people that make our weight, our weight load heavier. And we don't have the capacity to rest. We yoked up with people that's just taken, 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 and you ain't got nothing left to even pray. They done took so much, you don't even have the words to pray. They done took so much, you don't even know where to go for help anymore. They done took so much, you can't even find the energy to even get out of bed and open up your mouth to pray. But let me tell you how easy the yoke is with God. The Bible tells us when we don't even know what to pray, the Holy Spirit sends utterances on our behalf. Somebody will tell you that. Somebody says that when you don't even have the strength to get up, when you are weak, you are made strong. God is made strong in your weakness. Somebody will look over and tell you when you don't even know where to find the answer ask for wisdom and you will receive it somebody read their bible can tell you that when you are lost you'll be found that God creates he's a light on our path to where we should go he makes the crooked road straight he leads us to calm streams he leads us to the most lush pastures he is there for he got he listen he anoints our head with oil he prepares a table in the presence of our haters to do with the time that is given us and I pray today my brothers and sisters that you decide today to give God your very best of all of it because the yoke with him is easy and the burdens of life that you carry are light but it all starts with giving it all to God first 
Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.